Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Look, I know you're worried about DeVoe, about what he might do to you. But there are some lines we can't cross. Wow. (laughs) You really don't know as much as you think you do, rookie. I know what killing DeVoe would do to you. You would be throwing away everything you've done to become a better man, to become a hero. You gotta realize that. You are a moron. Ralph. I am not afraid of DeVoe and what he might do to me. I am afraid of what he might do to you. And Iris, and Caitlin, and Cisco, Joe, Harry, Cecile. DeVoe has taken out everyone who's gotten in his way. And Team Flash. They will always be in his way. This was never about protecting yourself. I know that killing Navo would mean throwing away everything I've done to become a hero. But aside from my mom, this team is the only family that I have ever had. And I would throw myself into a furnace to keep them safe. Navo cannot have them. They are mine. What about what we want? You may not care about losing who you've become, but we do. We like Hero Ralph. Please don't take him away from us. Welcome in primers to this episode 105. I don't know why I said it that way. 105 uh, to the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight. Also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. 
And from the Kevin Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin, who is also several hours away from leaving our country, and I am excited <laughs> yeah. for a magnitude of reasons. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you're not. You uh, might as well say it now. You are not going to be on the podcast next week. Yeah, uh, I'll be home by the time that we're recording. Well, no, I won't be home by the time we normally record. I will be home still Sunday night next week, but. I will be jet lagged and tired and have not watched a single thing. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, we can still do record Monday night. And I'm like, I don't think my brain's going to be there. <laughs> so probably not because uh, I will be in Paris. Um, you know, I, my way for our, uh, taking our what we originally wanted for our five year wedding anniversary from last year uh, that we kind of pushed out. So um, <laughs> so this year, you know, we decided, hell, hell, we're doing it. So we made this decision like a month and a half ago. So it's kind of crazy. We're usually like overly, overly planned for our trips. And we're like, if you know what, let's just not psych ourselves out and just do it and go. So, yeah, your your brain will still be overloaded from baguettes and uh, frog legs and all that other fun French cuisine by the time <laughs> you get back. Oh, uh, dude, it's just the desserts. But I will say this. <laughs> One of the things that we found was uh, we found a place that if you go online, there is a crepe restaurant called Odyssey. Uh, and if you look at photos of Odyssey in Paris, it looks like the inside of the Death Star. They made it to look purposely like the inside of the Death Star. They have the same kind of like track lights. There's like the TIE fighter windows. They've got like videos of other like ships from Star Wars hovering in LED like LCD windows. It's just awesome looking. And I'm like, yes, I am so doing this. They knew you were coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this place looks cool as hell. <laughs> that explains yeah. that explains some of the movies you wanted me to add to uh to your list yeah. for traveling. Yes, yes. So, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited um, for yeah. you. I've I've never been I've been outside of the country, but I've never been to Europe. So, um I'm interested in seeing the pictures you guys post and and hearing oh, your yeah, experience. Yeah, this will be our um, – we just had friends just get back from Italy, and the one thing we were all super concerned about was the language barrier. And they were like, dude, Rome, there was no problem at all. So – and everybody's told me. It's like, honestly, as long as you're polite and try your uh, try your best with the language when you can, people are more willing to speak to you. Um, and I hear that's a nice positive. So um, I'm, I'm really just in general just looking forward to this because – this is my first time going to a country really where like the dominant language is not English, which yeah. is kind of cool. I'm kind of excited for it. Like we did Ireland, so uh, and that's simplistic. I mean, you don't hear a ton of people walking around speaking Gaelic. Um, yeah, you know, but there there are definitely people that very much do. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think this is going to be pretty cool. I'm really just kind of pumped for this experience, and I, honestly, I can't wait to go into the catacombs. That is the one thing beyond everything that I've been wanting to do all my life. Hey, so. As long as you don't have an as above, so below situation going on, you're you're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that's another movie I should add to my list. <laughs> <laughs> right before you go into those catacombs. Do it. Yes, yes, I would totally watch that too. I will add it to um, the list. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I so. did too. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know, and I'll, I'll say this before we wrap things up, and um, and we go into the usual stuff. But uh, it's funny that you're talking about the language barrier too, because I actually just saw it online. I think yesterday that there is a um, a translator out there now that you speak into, and within seconds has what you said translated into the language of where you are. Uh-huh. Um, I already have one of those on my phone. Oh, <laughs> so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you could probably could do it on your phone. 
There's apps for it right now, too. Yeah. Uh, Google Translate, surprisingly, is one of the best out there because uh, you can also take photos on Google Translate and it will look at the words in front of you and convert it. So oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, or at least it tries its best. You have to make sure that you read the other version because we were took a picture of like a bottle of Nature's Promise grape juice. And unfortunately, it didn't pick up the G in the word grape. So uh, think so about that one you for had, a second. You had rape juice? I had rape juice. <laughs> so it converted it into rape juice. And I'm like, yeah, let's not make this mistake while no, we're over there. <laughs> it's probably not uh, a good idea uh, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Um, I just added as above, so below to the list. <laughs> too. So you're uh, you're pretty good. Uh, awesome. All right, let's go into this week's episode. We have four shows to talk about, that being The Return of Supergirl, The Flash, the season finale of Black Lightning, and, of course, Arrow. Wrapping up the week, uh, we'll go through, we'll give our one of three rating for each episode, and then we'll go into the breakdown of each episode, starting first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 14. As I mentioned, The Return of Supergirl. Uh, what do you give this one? Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I've been kind of my brain's been trying to figure out how this one falls. I think in all honesty, I'm going to go a very low tier legend. Um, I just think um, just emotionally there was a a nice impact in this one. And uh, I was a little bit more surprised, especially for an episode that feels like it didn't have much to do with anything else. So, yeah, I'm for that. That's the exact reason why I'm actually going high hero. I really enjoyed the episode. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there was a lot of things I loved, especially, uh, you know, the Jeremy Jordan aspect of this and Laurie Metcalf. Like I'm a big, I'm, I love Laurie Metcalf too. So I enjoyed seeing her. Um, but I felt like for an episode that returned, it, it should have maybe returned with the main plot, but mm-hmm. then it felt I, more I like a, feeling, a throwaway. Yeah, I I have a feeling that was not planned that way i I don't think the whole breakdown of how their season was going to air um that was the the way that they were planning on going yeah so but uh i will say still for if this was just a normal episode uh that was running in a normal order i probably that's why i went that direction i did try to balance in that angle of this is a return it should be a little bit higher but i also think the season was meant to be split the way it was and it was just a weird call from cw so i still went with a low tier legend on that one okay uh, next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 18, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Um, uh, This may surprise some folks. I'm going to go uh, a high-tier hero. Uh, I don't think it it quite hit Legend territory, so... No, right there with you. High hero for me as well. This, um, as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, this is where our line of the week came from, uh, mainly because of what happened by the end of the episode, which we'll talk about in the breakdown. But, you know, again, uh, Rob, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we prepped. Uh, this was something that was kind of expected to happen. So I don't really. Yeah, it, it, uh- there was a, don't I, get me wrong, there was a lot of emotion behind it, and I was definitely feeling it when it happened, even though knowing it was most likely going to. Uh, but I don't think it's going to have as big of an impact as people are expecting it to. Exactly. I've been, like, you know, predicting this for probably, like, four or five weeks now. Yeah. Uh, so this was not not a shock to me whatsoever. So No. Uh, of course, we have next up Black Lightning... Season 1, Episode 13, the season finale of the show, Sidekick Hero or Legend? Uh, Middling Hero, uh, which I'm kind of disappointed in. 
I, I don't think it was bad, but uh, there was some problems. There was very much some problems in this finale. So. Okay, I'm going high tier hero. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I oh, I, I did too. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like the same way you do. There were certain parts of this show that didn't really feel like uh, a, a season finale, but I still enjoyed it, and I'm definitely still. Uh, have that interest as to where they're going to go with it now next season. Uh, and of course, there's a couple things we'll discuss when we do the breakdown as far as predictions of things that happened this episode and what they might mean for, for season two. Uh, and of course, we have Arrow season six, episode 19, sidekick hero or legend. I hate to say it too, middling hero on this one as well. Uh, I think they were trying to do something really cool, um, but I don't think they really thought through Diaz's backstory as strongly as they should have and his motivations. And uh, I, I think that really hurts him as a villain and kind of in return kind of hurts the season. I so. Yeah, I'm going the same route. Um, I'm going mid-hero. The episode kept my interest, but barely. Uh, this is one of those things that, in my opinion, and we'll talk about this further when we get into the breakdown, that you have one episode that had very little to do with the main characters. You focus more on the big bad of the season. And when there's only my biggest issue with this is while you've done a good job of setting up the intimidation factor of Diaz, you you only have four episodes left in this season. This is an episode that should have happened around episode maybe 16 uh, maybe like 14 or 13 mm -hmm. not episode um not episode 19 yeah so this yeah. is something that should have happened earlier in the season in my opinion mm -hmm. and that that was really what my biggest problem with it was so uh all right let's jump back to the beginning and break down the episodes and talk about our thoughts starting with supergirl season three episode 14 shot through the heart uh following the death of his father win must work with his estranged mother to stop a copycat copycat uh copycat toy man <laughs> uh imdb gave this a 7.8 out of 10 so a pretty high hero from from them as well uh yeah but like i said back when we gave this the ranking the Jeremy Jordan aspect of this episode, the windshot episode, everything with Toy Man, and the emotion that we got that came out of him is really one of the things that I absolutely loved about this episode. I, I love when episodes of shows are able to kind of shine the spotlight on side characters without taking the focus off the main. Um, you know, we've had episodes of Arrow that have, that have shined spotlights on felicity that have been way overdone and taken the spotlight completely off of oliver and the rest of the characters and you know we've bashed those episodes as well but this time around we had a big spotlight it felt like the main spotlight was on win and the relationship he had with his mother uh his mother mary as i mentioned played by laurie metcalf and it didn't take the spotlight off of everything else. We still got focus on the Supergirl Monel storyline. Uh, we got a little bit more by the end with uh, James and uh, Lena, and of course, uh, even more emotion coming out of this episode with Jean and Marin. Yeah, um, and I was. That's why I think they they did a really great job balancing out a. A, a more slowed down breakaway episode from the rest of the season. Still giving us a little tease for what's to come, but um, it really worked. It really, really worked here. And I really think you're right. Jeremy Jordan really stole the show this week. I, I think both him and Carl Lumby um, were definitely the highlights of this week. The both of them just gave beautiful, beautiful performances. Yeah. I was really, really happy with what they did with both of them. But like Wynn's story was so 
relatable and can like you know for anybody that comes kind of from a broken home um you know like that it was something i was able, able to relate to very heavily of uh, myself yeah so some of the themes that they they discussed here from uh from my own past so for me i think that's one of the reasons it helped elevate it because the way he was talking the way that he thinks is the way that a lot of us think that have gone through situations just like that uh where it's kind of there's a lot of anger and hate that's kind of in the background that never fully goes away um so i think that was um handled in a really wonderful and beautiful way i mean you know and it kind of ends in that resolve point where I think a lot of us ultimately end up as eventually too. It's kind of like, no, I'm cool. I, I can totally do this on my own. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, it's it's weird because I bring up the way I brought up both those points. There's a little bit of a contradiction to them both, but I think at the same time though too, um, the way that they handled it here, you sh- you showed that contradiction, but you ultimately know that even if there's that stuff hiding in the background that you're still, you still have resolve. And I think they got that across really well. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that completely. Uh, and it makes me, it's funny too, going back to the, you know, you say the spotlights of being Jeremy Jordan and uh, Carl Lumby. Uh, I really went back to our interview with David Harewood when we were going this, because one of the things that he had mentioned, and I believe in the timeline of everything, this episode had already been filmed by the time we spoke with David and he, you know, prefaced very much so in that episode that in that interview that how much he loved working with Carl um you know and the relationship that he had working with Carl throughout filming and I think this really shined a light on exactly what he was talking about when he mentioned that yeah no I absolutely agree and it was kind of funny too as we were watching I was like Ah, I talked to that guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, I do that all the time. Last week's Arrow, I didn't even bring it up during the show, but last week's Arrow, when it had literally, like, Stephen Amell, um, uh, Paul Blackthorne, like, literally, I'm watching the episode, and it was mainly because of um, Josh Segarra being in the episode. I'm watching the episode, and in the back of my mind the whole episode, I'm thinking, I have been on stage with every one of these people. Like, <laughs> like, I've been, I've moderated panels with every one of these people. So, like, I, I get that way, too, and it's kind of cool to to be able to think that when you're, you know, when you're watching David Harewood or, um, you know, or, or John Wesley Shipp on The Flash. You're like, I got the chance to talk to him. Yeah, so, it's pretty neat. It, it it's, is. A, it's, a, it's a really kind of, it's a fun experience, so... Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, I, I totally kind of you now kind of get it. it. It makes a lot more sense to me um, because you know when we you know to go slightly off topic here, it's like you know when we went back to talk to, um, oh my god, why am I forgetting his name? Teddy Sears. Uh, Teddy Sears. Yeah, I'm like he was already kind of wrapped up, so I haven't seen him in anything much since. You know, um, but it was uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience, kind of <laughs> being able to. To kind of see that and firsthand while things are still fully in motion. So, yeah, I totally get that feeling now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of these days we'll get you on stage with some of them, too, like, I, like I've done. We'll figure, a way Absolutely. To, we'll figure out a way to do that. Uh, All right, back to Supergirl. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, we didn't get any of anything of Samantha or her daughter. Um, well, we got Samantha laying in a bed um, in the end of the episode with Lena. Oh, so. see? Oh, okay. I don't know why, but... Oh, God. Like, now I'm completely... I feel stupid. Because when I saw that scene, um, I thought it was Emra. Oh, huh. Was it? Uh, See, because we didn't see Emra all episode. 
and by the time and we you know we got everything going on we had everything going on with Monel talking to James about or talking to Kara about how Emra wasn't completely honest with him and there was more to it I think you might be right um and while we're talking I'm actually I'm actually going to that scene to see um yeah, but, I was pretty sure that was Samantha that was in the bed. I uh, didn't the even think about that, and now <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Because they were, she was still trying to. It, that's the downside when you haven't seen a show in in like months. Um, when it's kind of like you forget where Lena and Samantha's story kind of closed off, but it was, it was Lena's like, "I will get you the help you need." Uh, so it was like her running experimentation on her, trying to figure out the problem. Uh, is kind of the way I took that sequence, the very little end stinger, uh, you know, at the end of the episode. So that's what I took from it. If it was Emra, that just creates a brand new wrinkle where I'm like, oh, that's even cooler. Well, uh, I will, know, what, I'll be able to tell you in like three seconds because <laughs> I'm letting that scene play out on my computer right now. But yeah, uh, I had. Nope, you're you're right. It's it's Samantha. Okay, so okay. I don't know why my brain went to Emra. I because I, I think you're right. It's because. You know, we, we've been away from this show for so long that I just kind of forgot. And Emra visual was in my head. People, yeah, visual appearances of people sometimes blend in your head a little bit if it's a bit a bit. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you're right, because of Emra uh, being in my head because of seeing the previously on and, having come, and hearing her name come up in conversation. I think my mind instantly went to her. Um, but no, you're right. It was Samantha in there. So now that makes a little more sense. Because when I thought it was Emra, I was wondering, okay, what the hell does this mean? And yeah. now I kind of understand it a little bit better. So, uh, so real quick, let's get into um, you know the David Harewood, Carl Lumby stuff with Marin and uh, John, because uh, uh, I thought that was beautifully handled too. Is the fact that you know there's that off comment from from Marin when he's talking to Alex. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, he's like, you know, I always kind of wanted a a granddaughter, and uh, she's like, but you have them and they come to the realization that he has basically the Martian version of dementia starting to set in. And you now have a superpowered being with that and what that can potentially do to kind of rock the foundation between John and his father after just getting him back. Um, and I see this setting up some really beautifully told stories coming up. Uh, and I think this laid the groundwork for something really kind of wonderful. And John's reaction when he does find out at the end of the episode and they go to, you know, the, the bar um, and just that hug that he has with Alex was just this beautifully touching sequence. And this episode was full of so many of those. Yeah. Again, between Mary and Wynn and, you know, then Alex as well as uh, Alex and John and then John and Marin. And I, I just was really blown away with that, that heart that we love so much about the show was very, very beautifully present in this episode. Uh, but then you like, go the other direction and you go into the, the you know, the new toy man angle that we have. Uh, I, I, I apologize. I can't remember the listeners, but I can't remember that character's name, uh, the new toy man that they have in the mix. Cause we definitely find out in the beginning of the episode that, uh, you know, when's father is killed in prison. Um, and this is where we're, we're at now is this new person kind of taking up his legacy. And they did such a fun job here with, like, the crazy over-the-top toys in the factory. I think they, like, hit this in a beautifully wonderful way. And now we have this new fun villain that they can kind of play back into down the road. But in that fight, though, they did something so damn great. And it was that sequence with Monel uh, and, and that the cape. cloth. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was done so awesomely. And it uh, leads very much so into him 
that he's going to be donning his new costume soon because they actually do talk about that by the end of the episode he mentions it's the cape work that he's used to doing with his old costume his old costume was damaged and Kara tells him you know we have people who can fix that so mm -hmm. it's really cool because it's an it's a great lead-in to seeing Monel suiting up relatively soon i hope yeah, uh, my, I think it's going to be this coming week is when we're going to get a look at that. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of us have already seen those photos out there. There's an, even a brand new one that CW just officially released as the official image. Um, and, man, it's so beautifully comic, comic book accurate. Uh, and it looks just great and wonderful. It has a little bit of Tyler Hoechlin's, uh version of the cape with his definitely kind of looking at a bit of Kara and a little bit of Superman with a flipped color scheme just like the books. Man, it looks so wonderful and so excellent. I can't wait to see that in action. I, I actually haven't seen any pictures of it until this very moment. I looked forward to next week's episode, and there are screenshots of him wearing the costume. So it yeah. looks like, yeah, it looks like this coming week we're going to see him finally suit up into what his appropriate costume is going to be. So uh, that's going to be kind of cool, man. <clears throat> yeah, I'm really looking it. forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Uh, I know there's one nitpick in there. I'm sure a lot of other people are going to have too. Uh, the random moment where Kara gets trapped into the blister pack for the action figure. I'm like, <laughs> isn't she like one of the strongest people in the world and plastic is keeping her from breaking out? It was a little confusing mentally for me. And maybe I missed, blinked and missed something. But uh, that was uh, kind of like, huh? <laughs> no, so. you're right. Um, I mean, my <laughs> biggest nitpick wasn't even that. It was like, it, like I loved everything going on with the flying monkeys. And Jacqueline Nimble is the name of the the newest okay. toy man uh, that took over for um, for Wind's father. But my biggest nitpick was it really was the CGI. I didn't feel like I don't get me wrong. I loved everything that happened throughout this episode, but the CGI I felt was a little weak when it came to the monkeys. Yeah, uh, but the the scene was so full and so fast paced that it was a very light nitpick. It really wasn't anything that took away from the episode at all. Yeah, no, I, I still think it was enjoyable. They did a lot had, did a lot, and had a lot of fun with it and uh, were able to tell a good emotional story. But I think the big interesting thing is we finally found out that what Emra was keeping from Monel, which is the fact that one of the world killers, the one that we have not yet met, Blight, is the same person that's destroying everything in the future for the Legion of Superheroes. So uh, now very interesting to see those two stories converge, um, which is exciting, but kind of at the same time makes me a little bit disappointed that probably that means our prediction of next year we're not going to be in the future in Legion times because, man, that would have been so cool. And think because um, things are going to change by the end for the timeline by the end of this. I think so. So Yeah, and, and, yeah. but it's... um. Do we think – do we make any predictions that things are – that – let me let me rephrase. Do we – who do you think Monel will end up with by the end of this? Do you think he's going to end up back with Kara or do you think he's still going to be with Emra by the end of this? Uh, he'll be with Kara uh, okay. at the end of – I think either at the end of the season they will set us up for a – things are going horribly wrong. <laughs> so between Emra and them or they'll at least kiss and – Hold maybe have to go back and uh, next season we'll see them re-solidify. But like I think that we're going to see a big large setup for it at the very end of the season, uh, if not a full completion of them back together. So okay, yeah, I think we have. I'm taking a look here. This was episode 14, and there are wow 23 episodes this season, so we still have quite a bit to go. This isn't going to wrap up until June 18th. 
Um, so yeah, so uh, quite a bit more Supergirl to go. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine more, nine more weeks of Supergirl uh, mm. before uh, before we wrap everything's up. But um, anything else worth bringing up? I feel like we might be forgetting something, and I don't know, but I think we covered it all. Oh, uh, I, I I just want to say, um, top notch acting goes out to acting props goes out to Chris Wood for um being able to intentionally sing bad during karaoke uh-huh. singing carry honestly, on wayward son yeah and uh, also the same thing for jeremy jordan uh kind yeah. of doing a really weird version and rendition of aha and it, him being a broadway singer and an amazing singer at that too so it was really fun watching all these characters kind of sing more poorly than normal uh but also a great moment from melissa at the beginning singing beastie boys which was awesome yes <laughs> so yeah exactly uh, it was a lot of fun seeing all the characters like at a karaoke night and 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 such so uh looking forward to next week looks like we're going to be right back on track with the main storyline um supergirl must work with jean to contain chaos resulting from marin's psychic disturbances uh at the deo monel teaches kara fighting techniques he learned in the future for battling world killers so sounds like uh kara kara might be getting some cape work uh, lessons as well and we're also seeing julia freeman return next week who, who we know is one of the world killers so we'll see looks like we're getting right back on track starting this coming week mm-hmm. uh, all right let's go into the flash season four episode 18 titled lose yourself barry and the team find a way into the thinker's lair ralph considers crossing a dangerous line to defeat him joe is concerned by harry's recent behavior uh 8.6 out of 10 from imdb so they have this in legend territory mm-hmm. um again I, I i gave it a high ranking a high hero i could have gone into legend uh, I don't know why I didn't, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I kind of let this hover around like a 7.5, 7.8 kind of when I was going through and watching it and kind of picking it apart in my brain. And I think, again, it, this is purely because of our speculation of where things are going to go. It's just, as we said in the very beginning of this episode, it, it's more than likely that they will find a way to save Ralph and Marlise is going to be the big reason on why because we saw her very much on the side of DeVoe in this episode and also an exceptional sword fight sequence with her. Uh, that was a really great sequence between her and, and, Iris. Uh, and Iris this episode, which was just awesome to see. So this is the first time we see her really step away from being just the mechanic and showing that she's got some skills and it was just wonderfully shot and executed. I was really impressed. Um <clears throat> But I have a feeling Marlies is going to play a big factor into finding a way to reverse what happens to uh, to multiple people. And obviously all the other Puspenas will be dead, but I think they'll find a way to still be able to save Ralph. Well, I think we're at so. a point now. I mean, it, it's safe to say that all 12 Puspenas have been found. They've all been revealed. We got the last one this week in Edward Gauss, uh, who I don't remember what they named him. They didn't. Oh, okay, all right, so that would be a good reason why I don't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, Edwin Gauss comes into play this time, and which allows the thinker to be able to kind of go in and out of his own dimension without needing the chair any longer. So I don't really think the chair is probably going to come into play any longer at this point, because uh, he has the ability to do it now without it. So, um, And as you mentioned, something happens with Ralph by the end of this episode, which we'll touch base on in a little bit. But again, another... <sighs> We've been seeing this constant buildup of character with Ralph Dibney, and while we kind of faulted it a little bit last week, 
I don't fault it at all this week. I kind of no, really like. I really liked what they did with his character this week, and and you kind of understand why by the end of the episode. I mean, you heard it yourself in the beginning of the podcast. The line of the week this week is the interaction between Barry and uh, between Barry and Ralph, and it was one of those situations that when I was watching the episode, I already had a line of the week lined up, and by the end of that speech, I, I there was so much emotion. To me, list just hearing that, that the moment that speech was over, I was like, nope, that that's it. That's the line of the week this week. Like I had that yep. has to be it. I don't care what else is said on on Black Lightning or Arrow, or whatever. That's it. And it's even apropos to because of what happens to Ralph by the end of the episode. So it, I think it's a safe bet now that with all twelve bell, all twelve bus met is found. By the end of the episode, what happens with by with what happens to all of them? Because there's only one remaining, and it's Ralph. And we now know what happened. Uh, shit, we might as well just say it. Um, you know, Devoe takes over Ralph, and he now is in the body of Ralph Dibney. And it's kind of cool because it's not cool what happens to Ralph, obviously, but it's kind of come full circle in that we now have Neil Sandilands back in the mix. You know, mm-hmm. a character who has been written off a number of different times. Uh, we now have back as the big bad because Ralph has this ability to kind of shapeshift a little bit. And that's exactly what happens by the end. Yeah, and it makes me kind of excited now, too, to have him back as the big bad. Because I think once he was not – well, I mean, he's always been the big bad. But I think his presence was really missing. Yeah. And that's what I think the show kind of took a little bit of a hit was when he was not the one portraying DeVoe. Uh, there were some moments where it just didn't work with some of the other characters filtering in and changing every week. And it's some some of those people just didn't have the gravitas that he's been able to portray and kind of make feel terrifying, always being that step ahead of everybody. And uh, it was amazing to see this this version of him. And he how looks much younger. More, he looks younger. It's It was the haircut, you know, the way that he's dressed not having him in the wheelchair, all these things. And now he just feels imposing as all hell. And that yeah. was perfect. That's what I've been waiting for again. Because um, he just kind of felt like a bit of a joke villain the last couple of weeks when he was bouncing body to body because you didn't have a chance to um, adjust, I think, to each of the, the new actors portraying the character. And uh, I, I think it's especially that's something big. Like if you change an actor that is playing a character that is notable – and you're starting to grow attached, and all of a sudden you tune in the next week, and I'm like, oh, that person got fired, so we had to recast. Um, it, there's a massive disconnect, and it takes some serious time. You know, uh, the best I think I can always say is if you think of things like Doctor Who, and you're like, hey, it's essentially the same character, but every regeneration, sometimes that regeneration may not be a character that you really like, or the way that actor portrays that character in one way, shape, or form, even though they're slightly different. Yeah. Um, but that can really impact a show's momentum so and just the way that viewers like it so having neil sandalin's back you're right this is just awesome it's a great way to do it and uh, i'm really excited to see where this is gonna go the the cheese factor of the episode drastically cut back from last week uh which was good because that i think did injure that episode pretty heavily when we talked last week but this one i think the show is back on track no and you're right i mean last week one of the biggest things that we had said about the episode that was a big drawback was it felt very overacted and this episode was not like that at all there was a ton of emotion coming out of things i mean we saw obviously the interaction between barry and uh between barry and ralph there was a huge great interaction with joe and harry this episode which we'll talk a little bit about what 
what we think that means for Harry and the the uh, the thought helmet that he has and the choice that he made. Uh, there were some great interactions that came out of Cisco, especially. I mean, seeing the emotion coming out of the entire team after everything that happens with Ralph by the end. I mean, we see Cisco crying at the end of this, you know, with his head down and his eyes red like he had just been crying over a teammate, which is exactly what happens. It's a fallen teammate at this point. So there was definitely no overacting this time. The acting was right on point. There was a lot of emotion full of it. So such a huge turnaround from last week. Yeah. Um, Other little change up that they had this week, too, was we also saw in that big fight at the end, Caitlyn losing her powers. Yes. And I am not sad about that. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe it holds or if she does get her powers back, she's just Killer Frost. Um, I, I think it's weird that every other meta in this universe is just a meta. And she is only a meta kind of feels like when she wants to be. <laughs> and I don't think that works. I think it's having this kind of dual personality thing for um, any of the metas or superheroes in the show in the way that they've done it with Caitlyn seems to fit that puzzle piece is just slightly askew and like unless you have a hammer it doesn't fit fit the whole picture um and i think they really need to find a way to adjust that if they're going to have her as killer frost make her just killer frost don't do both let let those personalities convene um but it was a little weird that they're kind of like hey you know look like we're starting to get along now she's ripped away from me it just it felt a little over overdone in the way that they're trying to beat that in um but again i understand what they were trying to do but if they're trying to reset the status quo and saying why is everybody a hero maybe we need to pull back just a little bit that's a great way to do it so um i'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out and even if she does come back and get her powers just make her whole don't don't make this split version of this character i think there's nothing wrong with that and i think they're a little afraid to go in that direction or they feel like they may lose something but that's something they could have just done from the start on the way that they crafted Killer Frost. So, well, not only that, but I mean, we we had, like you said, the whole thing of you know, like we're we're now we're finally starting to get along. But there was the whole thing of they finally figured out a way for her to be able to switch back and forth without having to you know piss her off and make her hulk out. So you you had two of those elements, and then by the end of it, she's gone. So I'm not complaining about this at all either. I just don't know now whether or not she's gone for good or they're going to find a way to bring her back later. Yeah. So, I don't so, know. I mean, it's it's something that can easily change if they find a way to reverse all the powers inside DeVoe, which is probably what's going to happen at the end. Uh, is We'll see that big reversal happen when we get Ralph back, and I'm sure that means Caitlin will get her powers back, but there'll be some kind of complications with people somewhere. And, uh, you know, we'll just go from there. But that's my guess and prediction at this point. Um other big thing, Harry, uh, let's talk about him in the thinking cap and what was truly going on, because uh, that was an interesting reveal that he's been definitely pumping dark matter into his brain. So, Well, now, b- before we move on to that, I have one quick question for you. The dark, sure. the dark matter that DeVoe has at the end, was that, in fact, what he took from Caitlyn? The dark matter? Uh, oh. Um, I think it is. I think that's what he – because they – because Cisco says to Caitlin, there's no traces of dark matter left in you. And then by the end of it, DeVoe has a canister of dark matter. No, he, they, they actually act. I don't know if you just missed the line. They did say he got it from Wells. Okay. He, he, was, able, right. he was able to harness it out from uh, harness it from what Wells was doing. Uh, well, when did, because, they, when did those two interact? 
that he we could have gotten it from it. Wells. Off-screen moment. That's all it was. Uh, we we just saw Wells overloaded uh, with the dark matter, passed out in the time vault. Uh, and again, it's just an off-screen moment that we just didn't see happen. So, so we're just to assume that at one point DeVoe met up with Wells when he was passed out and took the dark matter from him. Yep. I mean, it's not a hard stretch to think about, you know. No. Um, but I mean, again, it's... But it just makes me wonder, how does he know about the time vault and how to get in there? Uh, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> so I, I, I guess <laughs> I, that's really about it. I mean, it's like one of those moments. It's that off-screen moment of something you wanted to see, just like you know Joe walking back in with uh, one of with the, the samurai, samurai helmets. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, Joe's gonna unleash holy hell with a blade. I need to see this. And I'm like, oh, they cut away, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then to see him come back with the sword through the head, I was like, okay, the West family is a badass family. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that was it was it was a great moment of seeing Joe come back in that way. So yeah. really still and thoroughly enjoyed it. But again, it's one of those off screen moments of other things that were happening in the mix of the chaos. You're also talking about you now a villain that's got every power in the book. It feels like and here's if you want to really like, you know, split hairs. Uh, what is Hazard's power? Uh, Becky Sharp. Uh, she luck. has luck. Yeah, if it's just luck that he knew exactly where to find it. So, all uh, right. When you put it that way and the fact that he can just port in there if he wants. I mean, again, he even brings up with Marlies at the end. Uh, he's the one that helped put that whole idea into Wells's head. Essentially, he predicted that Wells was going to try to outthink him and do all this and start messing with dark matter. Uh, so he kind of is just this whole thing has been part of his plan down to the down to the T. So they're making him a really kind of terrifying villain in that way. And that's working still. So, OK. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Wells and the thinking cap and what exactly that means. I mean, we see him basically tell Gideon to just overload it with dark matter, which I guess kind of sends his brain into a little bit of a short circuit and we see him pass out. So. What exactly do we think this possibly means for Wells? What do we think this means going forward for him and his character? I'm wondering now is if later by the end of the season or maybe for next year, we're going to see the same thing um, that happened to Neil Sandlin's version of the thinker in the beginning. We're going to see a person that now kind of overloaded their head. Something horrible happened and maybe we're going to see Wells back in the wheelchair by season's end. Uh, maybe it'll cause something to cause some damage. You know, granted, I think if memory serves correctly, uh, I think we did find out originally that, you know, the thinker had ALS even before the experiment went wrong uh, during, during the particle accelerator during the you know timeline of season one. And that just kind of forward progressed it. But maybe they're, they're going to try to kind of correlate those two things together. And we're going to see that version of Wells from Earth 2 uh, kind of fall in a line of what we originally thought of Wells when the series began, not knowing that it was a whole thing was a ruse. So very kind of curious to see what they're going to do with this. But we do know in a week or two that um, he's going to even get kicked out of the Council of Wells. Uh, because of the things he's doing. So the Council of Wells is coming back, but we're also going to get the Council of Harrisons as a new group and the next batch of Wells from alternate Earths. Uh, so that makes me kind of excited. So uh, we get to see, uh, you know, Wolfgang, uh, you know, uh, you know, H. Wolfgang Wells again, <laughs> yeah. uh, which just makes me just absolutely excited. But apparently there was a Russian version that was cut. 
Uh, I hope uh, you know Wells the Great comes back. All these things. So that's yeah, that's um, gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I wonder if it would be something interesting to see if what you say is true, and we're gonna see kind of the same thing happen to Wells that happened to Devoe. Uh, if there, we're gonna see maybe like a thinker versus thinker by the end of this season at some point. Uh, very possible, and I, I think we're gonna definitely see Harry kind of be one of the big proponents in stopping things and stopping things the right way. Um, it, it's been a very different version of Harry this year, but it's been a very enjoyable though. Um, it's, I love seeing him stretch his legs with this version of the character. I mean, his little over the topness and kind of anger and rage stuff has been a little heavy handed a couple times. I mean, if anybody was a little, maybe possibly responsible for overacting this week, I think it definitely came from Kavanaugh where it was more of a serious situation. He was a little bit more over the top than everybody, just like by a hair, but enough that it stood out. I, I think generally that we're going to start seeing that calm down a lot more. And I love the fact that even Joe brought up kind of like his ex-wife that passed away, like Wally's mother, who was dealing with drug addiction and kind of throwing that together to Harry, kind of like, no, 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 see, this is this is why this is a problem. Yeah. So uh, nicely, very, very nicely done, though, still. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Agreed with you as well. Um, so looking forward to next week, uh, looks like we're going to see a return of a character of a favorite character of ours, that being Leonard Snart, AKA citizen cold, uh, mm-hmm. this time. So we're going to see, uh, Snart return to, to help Barry pretty much capture a meta that has, um, or, um, transport a meta. Uh, he, he so he calls on Snart to help him transport the meta. Met, the meta being uh, Fallout, who I think have we seen him already before? Yeah, that was um, that was the one that had uh, the original Melting Point episode, where okay. he was the one that be- had all of a sudden all that nuclear power transferred to him in that bank heist. Yes, um, okay. but it's not just Citizen Cole no, that is Black, joined the fray. Black, Black Siren. But it sounds like it's Siren from Earth X. Yeah, which because I did I did see a story that we are going to be seeing the Earth X version of Sir- Black Siren, which would make sense with Citizen Cold coming back over, um, that he could potentially either be chasing her or she could have kind of tagged along, in a or way. she could be a hero. We don't know yet. Oh, that's true. They didn't even yeah. think about that part. So I think it's a little wrinkle into the Katie Cassidy uh, future in the Arrowverse. Anything can happen. So now we're introducing somebody else in the fray. So uh, but, you know, like I said, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. But I think this is going to be maybe a small break from uh, the the over over plot. I think this is going to be our last throwaway. And I th- not I, even a full throwaway, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a throwaway. This I week. think I think you're right because Hartley Sawyer isn't listed as a member of the cast uh, for next week, so I think it's I think you're right. I think it's going to be probably the last throwaway of the uh, of the season. But it sounds like it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and so. uh, from what I understand, this is also as we reported the other week, this is the last appearance of Wentworth Miller uh, under any form of contracts he has at this time, unless and he did say he'd be interested in coming back down the road. If the right story was uh, was was given to him to come back, but um, from what we understand, this is his last appearance for uh, the foreseeable future. So. I don't think we've seen the last of him. He's a big fan favorite from a lot of people, and I think he knows he's a fan favorite. So I don't think we've seen the last of him. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's move on to Black Lightning season finale, Shadow of Death, The Book of War, season one, episode thirteen. The aftermath of the showdown with Black Lightning leaves everyone reeling. Tobias gathers his forces. So again, this is 
pretty much been the the pattern of Black Lightning this this entire season, these past 13 episodes, is that these conversations about the show, the episodes, while there are a lot that happens in some of them, they are pretty straightforward. There's not really a lot of things to kind of break down and predict, and that's okay in a pilot season to me. You, I think you want things to be a little more straightforward because you don't want the fans kind of thinking too deeply and making too many theories and things like that in a show like this at least yeah. um you know the flash being in season four and arrow being in or no it's season four right uh yeah, yeah. season four um you know these other shows it's it, you're fine to make predictions because we're already well into it uh black lightning being a pretty straightforward show i'm fine with it i'm, I'm totally fine with it so i don't know how long this conversation is going to go couple things maybe we can predict going into next season uh but you know we see a lot of things kind of come together a little bit yeah they came together in a very nice way too I, i was very happy with how they took all these plot threads blended them together and it was kind of like no this is kind of was the setup all along but it worked and it really actually worked well um there there's definitely execution problems i have which is why i'm stating this was kind of a, a mid middle middle hero um but we'll get into that so yeah um i did have a couple issues with things but they kind of they're not extreme issues because they kind of lead me into predictions for next season and i'll jump right into them a little bit we do get a scene with tobias whale and lala face to face and we kind of get a little bit of an explanation of lala's powers now in that this is a regeneration program that Tobias Whale was actually behind. He's the one that brought Lala back. And these tattoos are actually remnants of people that he has killed who are meant to haunt him. Uh, And he's given the name Tattoo Man, finally. So, uh, you know, we have Tobias Whale naming Lala. Uh, We have Proctor, who named a bunch of other people. Uh, I think, and I think it was Tobias that actually named uh, Khalil. Yeah, Painkiller. Painkiller. So, a lot of these people who we are, we were introduced over the course of the last episodes finally have names. Uh, but my my issue with the whole Lala thing and Tobias Whale is that we finally get an explanation as to Lala. You know, everybody that he kills is going to be haunting him until his body is full of tattoos. And then we see a scene later, he's got debt cord and he's meant to be a suicide bomb. I kind of have a feeling that's not what <laughs> happened. Yeah, uh, no, that that is because again, here's here's one of the things on the execution issue again that I bring up. If a lot of people think this character is dead, and if the character, if they just decide, yep, he's dead, and I'm like, why would you spend all that time bringing him back? And why would you explain his? On it? Yeah, why would you explain the backstory of that of what he is, how he came back, and what he's behind him, and mention you know this will happen until your body is full of tattoos? Why would you even say that stuff? Yeah, if you were uh, well, just going to throw this character away later. Here, here's the biggest problem I have with this episode. Uh, we have 13 episodes this season, and in this episode alone, half of the questions we've been asking from episode one were answered, but they were answered in the worst way humanly possible. Uh, there is a writing term I learned from my wife whenever you are writing a story or you're writing a summary or a query to an agent or anything like that. It's called info dumping. The moment that you honestly have a sequence that is a slowed down moment that says, well, I'm just going to explain everything to you because uh, I don't feel like it, co- it needs to come out naturally. That happened so many times in this episode that it just generally made me kind of angry. 
And it's a sequence in the beginning of the episode with Jennifer and Gamby as they're outside the cabin. And we're like, well, what are Tobias's powers? And he's just kind of like, well, this is cyanide. Cyanide has basically got like, you know, this animantium system basically is basically the way he put it. And it drove her kind of insane. Khalil, he makes venom. So all these darts that he's making, they just found a way to harness this. Tobias, his power set is because of the serum. They, He literally, in about three minutes, rambled off all the stuff that was really needing to come out naturally when the characters were introduced and explained then and there. They had so many opportunities to do it this year, and they just said, oh, we forgot to tell you guys about this stuff, so let's just shoehorn it into the beginning of the episode. That just really shut the episode down in the beginning to a crawl until they got to the fight. It was it's a massive writer's mistake that they should not have done. Uh, and then we got the same thing with now later on with Tobias doing the same thing with uh, with Lala. It's it, it it was such a bash your head over with the information we've been trying to find out from the start. And it just I think that really hurt the score for me. That was the moment that really just got under my skin and I couldn't walk away from this episode feeling really truly happy about the way things were tied up because it was all these questions we were saying week after week after week after week. Well, what's this? How did this happen? Why are these people metas? What's going on with this? What is this person's powers? Why is this person not aging? All these things. And they're just like, boom, three minutes. All it's all of it's uh, explained. But it was character by character by character, like somebody's reading a dossier. And it's kind of like, how does Gamby have all this information on some of the stuff? Yeah, he's tapping into a few things, but like Khalil, like he had way too much information that just didn't add up. So, yeah, it's kind of akin to the whole the villain revealing the plot of what he's doing as he has the hero tied up ready to die. Yeah, you know it's it's very similar to to something like that. So I can I can understand the whole info dump um, kind of thing. But you're right. I mean, it's they do this whole big reveal about Lala. We find out that Tobias Church is Tobias Church. Uh, Tobias Whale has been around a lot longer than we think. When we see flashbacks of Jefferson with his father, I mean, we knew his he kind of had an anti aging kind of thing. But when we find out like he's on the verge of being indicted when Jefferson is literally what eleven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know Tobias has been around a lot longer than we believe him to be. Uh, we find out like he has the strength of three men because of the serum that he's taken. So you're right. We we kind of got an overload of information and answers to questions that we had been wondering the past 12 episodes. Right. So, and it was just kind of just like shooken off kind of like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you. Like there was no like real reason for the unveil. It was just. Let's just catch Jennifer up to speed, but at the same time, she's going to be the proxy for the audience. Um, it was just a weird way to do things. And again, if it was just they said, here's the information about Tobias, um, that would have been fine. But the fact that he was like part three of the explanation, it was just kind of like, ah, OK. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, and you're, you know, on top of that, we like, you know, we got the explanation as to painkillers abilities and what they are and why he is the way he is now. Uh, so yeah, so you're right. It kind of the, the more I think about it, I didn't even really think about it that way until you said something. Um, and, and I'm sorry if it. I just yeah, I'm sorry if I just broke other people on that one too. They're like, hey, wait a second, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, but we but on top of that, you know, there were some positives that came out of this episode. Oh, we absolutely. Got, absolutely. We got to see Jennifer kind of come into her own a little bit more as far as her abilities. 
Um, so she's kind of a little bit more accepting of them now. I kind of had a feeling she was, we talked about it a little bit last week too, that she was kind of going to be the jumper cables to Jefferson getting his abilities back. Right. Um, you know, she was kind of be where he kind of brings the energy in. She produces it. So when he doesn't have his abilities, yeah, they, they kind of go hand in hand. So of course she's going to be the one that gives him his abilities back. Yeah. And that all worked. And I think the assault on the house in the or the cabin was beautifully done. Oh, like, I thought that scene that, was I, I thought that whole scene was fantastic. Yeah, that was wonderfully done. Um you know, Thunder, you know, Black Lightning, Jennifer and just Lynn, they were all and Gamby were all just so much fun to watch in that whole sequence. Especially Lynn. Lynn just was just a rock star through that sequence. And again, uh James Remar is is still one of my favorite characters in this show, and he just is such a fun person to watch. Um, and then we get into Proctor, the whole stuff with the ASA, which we find out is not the ASA really behind things. It's just Proctor wanting to. It's a rogue kind of, entity. Yeah, he, he just went rogue from the ASA to take everybody else out, kind of restart the program from many, many years ago in the hopes to basically, you know, sell it off as tech and to sell these metas off as weapons to other countries, use them for, Amer- you know, military purposes in the states any way he could and the fact that they you know the only downside is they had to shoehorn the let's make america great again twice in one episode yeah which is a little little much little much um <laughs> you know uh but i i will say i think the way that that whole thing played out and the fact that i really enjoyed when he did get his comeuppance at the end gamby's the one that puts him down because as he even said he's like look i am a monster and it goes back to what he was saying a while back to Jefferson, do not kill somebody. You know, we know Gamby has, and he has no problems doing it, but he does not want the Pierces to be the people responsible for, you know, killing people. Um, granted, Lynn very much probably killed one of the ASA agents uh, while everybody else just used their powers to kind of knock him out cold. But um, yeah, you know what? In, in the grand scheme of things, though, that did work. I think that was a great way to close out Proctor's story. And, um, kind of leave us to where the things wrap up at the end uh you know we very much see a, a tobias getting that briefcase that we're wondering what the contents were uh with the exception of i think anybody that took more than four or five seconds when that you know case opened and said oh huh i get it green light so <laughs> so uh kind of a pulp fictiony moment but yeah very very on the nose a little bit like what's the big thing they've been developing green light he opens a briefcase what comes out of it a green light yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Very, very, very funny. Now, what so. do you th- what do you think your prediction is that's actually in the, the briefcase? Do you think it's more green light, like another version it's of the, green light? It's the chemical compound of green light. Okay. I, I think that's really exactly what it is. They did say the only thing that was going to keep those metas from phase two alive was, was the contents inside those cases. Uh, that's the other thing that still kind of made me scratch my head a little bit is there felt like there was a scene or two missing in this episode. Um, and again, I really apologize for kind of pulling this episode apart a little bit, but no, I'm it was fine. one of those Go. ones like <laughs> there was a lot of stuff to enjoy, but the, the, the bad left a weird kind of like lingering feeling a little bit. Like there's the moment they, you know, get in the van and then we cut to Proctor and they're already there. And I'm like, they never explained where or how they knew where site two was. Or the new site for the second wave metas that were locked up in the chamber. So I'm like, that just came out of nowhere. Uh, having the entire Pierce family there, which was very odd. Then, you know, they kill Proctor. And then they're like, okay, you know, Lynn makes a comment. I was like, I know how we can save these people. And then it cuts away to 
basically the camera view, like cameras on the random, you know, citizens of Freeland kind of saying, yo, you know, they're experimenting on people, such and such and such. So we have no idea if those metas are still in those chambers at all. We just know that everybody is now aware that the the government agency that went rogue uh, was up to all this stuff and people are aware of it. But we have no idea those people that they were quote unquote trying to save if they've been saved. So it was a lot of oddball shifts in scenes that they're like they needed to finish a statement somewhere and they just forgot to write that line or there was a transition scene that was supposed to happen that just never happened yeah. that would have kind of made those things not feel odd like it left questions unanswered that they made seem like they were answered so it bothered me a little bit so it made me feel like did those people just die and they were martyrs and this is now what Freeland knows were they released are they still in there all these things but it didn't seem like it was an important thing to even touch upon. It was just we found them, but whatever, you know, it was kind of an odd way to go, especially when one of those people is one of Jennifer's friends. So I think that was an odd loose end to not really close the way that it should have been closed. Yeah, I mean, and it's it, it's one of those situations, too, when we're talking about all those people in the pods and, and such like that. I still think this is something that's going to come into play next season, obviously. Um I don't know in what way, but I I still think it would be very interesting if I think you made the prediction earlier on is if one of the people in those pods actually is static. And my guess more than likely is because Tobias has that briefcase. This is our influx of new metas as villains or, yeah. or parts of the villains of, of the week for next year. So he's going to use that green light because they did say that's the only thing that can truly kind of get them out of their stasis. So now that he has access to it, we'll see him probably pull them out one by one, kind of transform them in the way that he had helped transform Khalil. Uh, and one of those people's not going to want to play ball. And my guess is that's going to be static. Yeah. So that would be, and that would be pretty cool to see. So, um, yeah. So nothing really to look forward to next week because Black Lightning is done, at least uh, for, but, the, for the season. Yeah. But it's still, again, a really awesome season. Um, just. Weird execution on the end the end finale. Like, one of those episodes that felt like this, this show needed maybe one more episode or two. Uh, but still, really fun. No, I did. I really enjoyed the, the season itself as a whole. So, um, I'm definitely in for season two. So, we'll see where it's where exactly it's going to go. So, with the return of Lala with more tattoos. Yeah, my guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to, of course, the last episode of the week, that being Arrow Season 6, Episode 19, titled The Dragon. Uh, 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb for this one, so they put it in the Legend territory. Uh, looking to expand his empire, Diaz meets with the group The Quadrant, a coalition of mafia families. After Oliver's recent decision, Felicity and Curtis double their efforts to build Helix Dynamics. Uh, very important thing to point out this week, and this is something I think in six seasons they have yet to do. Uh, this is the first time we're really seeing it. This is a very, very Oliver Light episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in episodes in the past where we've kind of gotten less characters fi- spotlighted, uh, Oliver has still pretty much been the spot, the the main spotlight. I mean, we talked about that a little bit last week. In that it was a Oliver centric episode. We got a, a couple minutes of Diggle in the beginning, a little bit more of Felicity, and it was more just Oliver and Josh Segarra, Stephen Amell and Josh Segarra throughout the episode with with Paul Blackthorne mixed into that as well. Uh, but more a bare bones cast and more slim um, slip line. This episode, complete opposite again. 
spotlight on just a couple characters. Stephen Amell, not one of them. Yeah, uh, really four characters through this entire episode with a cameo by Steven, and that was really it. Um, this was a Ricardo Diaz and, you know, Laurel, Earth 2 Laurel Lance, and then a little bit of Curtis and a little bit of Felicity, and that was it. Um, very, very, very light. Um, but this is something that we've seen the Arrowverse do quite a bit, um, and that's the the villain episode. You know, even when we get the start of the episode, we see that green dragon uh, behind the Arrow uh, logo. I mean, we saw that in Legends of Tomorrow season, you know, season two last year, where we have that wonderful, wonderful villain episode with Malcolm Merlin, Damian Dark, and you know, Reverse Flash, which was such an exceptional episode. Uh, we saw one of those kind of with Savitar, uh, you know, in Flash, you know, the, the uh, two years ago, which was or not Savitar Zoom, uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And they did that very well. So we've seen them do this a couple times. Uh, this was a very, very different one, though. This was a pure just, this is just who Ricardo Diaz is. Um, and I don't know if that was the right thing to do. <laughs> so I don't know what your take is on this because I talked a ton about Black Lightning. So I'm going to let you take the helm on this. But I, I have very little to say about this one. No, it's it's fine. And it's again, this is another one of those episodes. It's pretty straightforward when it comes to it. We got the big bad backstory of the big bad. And, uh, well, that was a little redundant. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but one of the things I really did, th there's a couple things I could take away from this episode. There's some things I really enjoyed, and there's some things that I could have, eh, you know. Uh, again, I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode. This was a backstory of the Big Bad. We got the backstory of Diaz. And we're in episode 19 at this point. We're, there's only four episodes left. I feel like this is something that should have happened earlier in this season because – you want that intimidation factor. You want now. Don't get me wrong. By the end of this, I understood Diaz a lot more. I kind of understood um, who he is, the kind of person that he is. The intimidation factor is definitely built up, but I felt like it's a little, kind of a little bit too late. Uh, you know, again, four episodes left. We know by this is building up to be something pretty big. But yet we don't know how it's going to happen because we get no Oliver this episode. We get all Diaz this episode. And we now know that he has kind of brought the city together, at least in this quadrant. He he earned his seat in the quadrant. And I, I, I see, like now even talking about it, like it still kind of confuses <laughs> me a little bit. Um, I will say, kind of switching gears a little bit, one thing I really enjoyed about this, and man, it's been such a turnaround for me just over the course of maybe the past four or five weeks, is I loved Katie Cassidy as Black Siren. This is – she was one of those people that I kind of was, okay, I, it's great that she's there. I really don't want to see a redemption arc. I want to see her better as the villain. And we're kind of getting hints at a redemption, but we're not confirming there's a redemption because we saw her working with Quentin, and now she's working with Diaz, and she's doing a lot of Diaz's dirty work, which I loved. I love seeing her as the villain. Um, I think it's very, very interesting, but I – we had a lot of lot a lot of moments and a lot of facial reactions from her this episode where she's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah, um, like him crossing lines consistently and her be like, that's a line I won't even cross. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like the honor amongst thieves kind of feeling 
where she's just like, this guy just has no honor and I'm not going to stand for this. Uh, you see that her character starting to have her layers peeled back in the same way they peeled back the layers on Diaz this week, where she's just kind of like, you know, I might be a bad person, but I'm not this bad, you know, um, or I'm tired of being other people's lackeys to let them achieve their goals and get nothing from it. But at the same time, I'm the one now responsible for some of these atrocities that are happening that I would never even cross. Yeah. And those lines I would cross. So I, you really saw that every time he did almost anything or being kind of like, what are you doing? So, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that we're, I, I think we are leaning more towards that redemption angle. I think by the end of this, we are going to see her kind of turn on Diaz and be a helpful side towards Oliver and the rest of the team because I think by the end of this they're going to need that help I mean we we still know that Anatoly is still out there floating around somewhere we don't know how he's going to play into everything and it's going to be very interesting to see how everything goes I mean we know that the team is kind of broken we see in this episode Curtis and Felicity are working together to rebuild their company uh, but they're not doing anything towards you know, Team Arrow or Team Outsiders. They're they're basically doing this because this is what they're doing in their lives to kind of distract themselves from everything that, that's going on. And, and we see a little bit of that by the end of the episode and where Felicity, when we do see Steven finally do show up, we do see Oliver show up, uh, we see a news report of an explosion and it's unknown as to what happened to the Green Arrow from that. Um, we find out Oliver got away, which we all kind of assumed he would because if you killed him off in an episode he wasn't even in you really just screwed the pooch with this show so but we knew oliver got away we see him by the end and you know he's like oh i just shot an arrow when i flew backwards like no big deal to oliver i did have a thought though that perhaps that particular scene could play into the whole aspect of oliver being accused of being the green arrow and a way to kind of kind of get around that but then i kind of corrected myself in my own brain because like well you can't kill off the green arrow even if you really didn't kill him because then who would oliver be right and the show is green arrow i could see them doing that with another character if like maybe they assumed curtis was mr terrific and then you do that to mr terrific then you kind of save face because now curtis isn't mr terrific anymore but you can't do that with arrow you can't right. do that yeah. with the green arrow he is the main character mm-hmm. so um, you could do it the other way around with Oliver having died in an explosion and now Oliver can focus being purely Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they would ever do that with this show either. So um, other than that, I really don't have a lot to say about the episode either. Again, it was one of those things that I'm glad we got the backstory of Diaz. I'm glad we got the intimidation factor we know what his motives are we know how much of a badass he really is but i just feel like the the impact of it isn't fully formed isn't fully felt because of how late it happened in this season well i think the other problem with with diaz as a character was his big bad villain motivation was i just want to be respected and that's it that's really all this told me through this entire thing um and he's got an anger management issue and should, maybe should take some classes. And that's about it. Yeah. Because um, really, that really was, you know, he was bullied and, you know, it, it set him on this different direction. And that's a fine start to things. I mean, we saw that with Zoom and it can work and it can work very well. But in this whole thing, though, it was just to get a seat at this table for basically um, the mafia. And that's 
and he was just like, I'm a crime lord now. And I'm like, you've been a crime lord. <laughs> I mean, yeah. why Why do you need the and, and again, and that's the problem is he wants to be res- uh, the respected crime lord. And that means he has to have a seat at this table. And it was just it just, it made him no longer feel like the big bad. It made it made it feel like the you know the quadrant was the big bad. And he just gets to you know play play in their uh, you know backyard at this point. And that's and all think, it did. Yeah, and I think and that, that's I think that's a good chance of that actually being what's going to happen by the end of this too. And it's not. And I think maybe it's now his big motivations and goals is to take over the quadrant, uh, which is now just more a triad because he knocked off somebody. Uh, well, no, well, no, no he took there, their spot. He, he took the one guy's spot. Yeah. So, but it's, it's kind of funny though, to, too, to think that uh, again, suspension of dis- disbelief, you have a random thug come into the head of a mob group and shoot one of the leaders, man, he would have been riddled by, with holes in seconds. Oh, absolutely. And he's just kind of like, I'm going to sit down. Cool. Everybody's good with that. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. Sure. Why not? Um, and it's the it, it they just did it to do it and it didn't work. And I think that they took a little bit of any fear that we had of maybe his character uh, so far and they kind of stripped it away in an instance in this episode. You know, they were starting to build him up and make him more interesting. And as the episode was happening, I'm like, OK, OK, where's this going? Where's this going? This this they could make him into something interesting. And then, you know. You know, the Russians give it a, a 2.5 on the landing, and that's exactly what it felt like. And it just didn't kind of work. It just there was there was too many holes in it. And his big, bad motivations for the year just don't seem to work or align themselves very well. I know they're saying, let's get back to like the street level criminals and all and mob stuff. And sure, that works and all. But um, it, I don't know why this works now. It, it's the reasonings now just kind of dissipated a little bit. Yeah. So I I don't know I mean it's it's like you said it'd be one it'd be one of those things if he kind of came into the quadrant and took over the quadrant, mm-hmm. um but yeah but you're right to just shoot a guy and take his seat it, it kind of felt a little lackluster. Yeah, and that's really what it is. It's not that it was a bad episode again. Like giving a show like a middle tier hero is not a, actually a really bad thing. That means it's still a it's still a fine episode. It's still okay. You know, there's nothing horrendous about anything but it's just one of those things that left you wanting more but unfortunately because this was a peel back of the big bad for the year it unfortunately i think hurts things a little bit more so it, it's now they have to do a lot to make him this terrifying presence and him alone it can't be this quadrant thing because now that's our third flip on the big bad villain of the season if it was hey it's Caden james hey it's ricardo diaz Hey, now it's the quadrant, and you're not giving us time to adjust or make these characters built up. By the end of the time, we had Cam James. We're like, man, he's an awesome villain. And then they got rid of him. And I'm like, hey, it's Diaz. We know nothing about his character, and we're well over halfway through the season. They got to act quick, and they didn't. And now that we're here, and they say, let's peel back, and they've got four episodes or five episodes left to go, it makes you go, oh, oh, dear God. They they need to get this right. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, it's a big wait and see. But I mean, I'm still, as always, I will always give every one of these shows in this universe or, you know, Black Lightning's universe the full benefit of the doubt without question. Oh, yeah. Uh, me too. That they'll be able to stick the landing because they can still pull it together and still do something 
big about it. So it's a big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up things with Arrow, I want to shine a light on something that we posted on the Facebook page that kind of uh, came to light to be something completely different than what people were expecting. And I don't know if you even saw this either. Um, but we posted an article on the Facebook page about – give me one second. I want to pull it up just to make sure. Um, no, not on this day. I want to go to the DC Primetime Facebook page. Facebook.com slash DC Primetime, by the way. Uh, you posted an article, and I think you were the one that posted it. Uh, oh, is David Ramsey teasing something major for Diggle? Mm-hmm. And it all came from a picture that had come out on um, David Ramsey's Twitter page. It kind of was like a, a red marker across an image would look like Spartan, uh, Spartan's mm-hmm. helmet, and it said tomorrow across the side of it. Uh, yep. and a lot of people were led to believe that is this something pertaining to the show. This actually did not have anything to do with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a t-shirt campaign that David Ramsey was launching uh, to raise awareness and raise money for testicular cancer. This is something he's what, actually been talking about doing for a while, and he finally did launch it. Yeah, which is awesome. Like I said, yeah. so while it didn't pertain to Arrow, it pertained to something uh, awesome. So good good on him, and like I said, we will fully support that. I've actually, I've actually already ordered a shirt for myself. Awesome. So, because I'm a big fan of David's, uh, he's a hugely nice guy. I've been on stage with him three times already. So, I mean, I can't really um, humble brag. Um, so, of course, I'm going to support anything that he does. But yeah, this this really to anybody who was curious about what came out of this, uh, it didn't um, it didn't have anything to do with Spartan on the show. Uh, it was a T-shirt campaign that he launched. That I wish I would have looked up the the name of it, but um, but yeah. While I'm going through news, you can always try to find that. So, okay, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, well to do. I know I've I've spoken to him about this before. This is something he's been wanting to launch for a while. I'm really glad that he finally did launch it, and I think it's going for about a month. So once we get all that information, we'll post it on the Facebook page, um, and and go from there. But uh, I will also say that. David was, for the first time in six seasons, was unable to go to the rap party for Arrow because they actually did just rap filming the finale. And David uh, posted a picture of himself and Steven from the uh, taping, from the recording of um, the season finale of this season. And it's worth noting, David is not in the Spartan costume. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just in, in black gear. He's in SWAT gear. So mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see Ramsey return to Spartan. I don't think we're going to see Diggle return to Spartan for the rest of the season. Yeah, probably not. I mean, so. we know the team will all pull together still before season's end. But, yeah, I think you're going to see some dynamic changes, which is fine. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Nope. It's it's just going to be interesting to see how everything plays out by the end. Uh, looking forward to next week's episode. Oliver turns to an old friend to battle Diaz. Meanwhile, Renee is out of the hospital but has a hard time readjusting to life as Wild Dog. Also, Lance discovers something shocking about Black Siren. Oh, you mean she's working with Diaz? Yeah. <laughs> that could potentially be it. Ta-da! Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so that wraps it up for the shows and the breakdown of the shows this week. So I'll turn it over to you for the news in the world of DC. Uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit and change up the normal directions. Normally I uh, try to save some of this stuff in the end, but why not? We'll we'll mix it up today. So Batman Ninja makes its digital debut April 24th, which is this Tuesday. So uh, if you don't know about this, this is a anime version of Batman, which has been getting rave reviews for almost two months now. A lot of people have already seen full versions of this, and everybody said this is one of the greatest 
DC uh, animated films yet to uh, make its debut. So uh, if you get an opportunity, you can pick that up digitally on April 24th, this Tuesday. Or if you are a person that likes to wait for Blu-ray or DVD, um, you can wait until May 8th. Uh, so I'm really excited to check this out. It looks fantastic. Um, let's head over into the TV stuff because there's a big thing that kind of ties into my recommendation for this week that we're going to save. So let's jump into the flash. Um, as far as the flash is concerned, it sounds like Cisco will indeed have a major decision, uh, by season's end, uh, obviously pertaining to probably the episode from last week when Breacher, AKA, um, you know, Danny Trejo's character came back into the mix and has chose to step down into retirement and asked Cisco to take over as the new breacher for him. Uh, we did find out that he uh, Cisco is thinking he doesn't want to take the job because he doesn't want to let down, you know, Team Flash. But on Gypsy and then on Gypsy's end, she doesn't want Cisco to take the job because the fear of uh, being in closer contact might spoil the beauty of what they have. So it sounds like there's going to be a back and forth on this a little bit when we see this come up. So the big question is how this will play out by season's end. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a shakeup and see Cisco maybe leaving Team Flash at the end of the season to do this. And then we'll see his return quickly into season five. So it's a wait and see. Uh, as I mentioned before as well, uh, you know, Harry is getting booted from the Council of Wells. As I mentioned, this is going to be in the May 8th episode titled. Uh, I think it's when. Hold on one second. Uh, I think it's called Harry and the Harrisons, uh, which is wonderful. <laughs> so it's a great title. Uh, so that's when he gets booted from the Council of Wells, but then meets the Council of Harrisons when Cisco introduces him. So this is probably as he's kind of breaking down everything that happened from the stuff with the thinking cap. So looking forward to seeing this. Um, there is another big thing here with uh, Arrow jumping into the mix. And give me a second because it stopped working and I can't read the article. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, they did state uh, at the end of season six, Oliver is definitely going to pay a very, very serious price on the way that things kind of uh, lay out. It said Oliver's going to pay a price that he hasn't really paid before. Uh, and this came from David Ramsey. It says, unlike our other bad guys who are really trying to go for the jugular in a sense that they're trying to kill Oliver, Ricardo Diaz is just, just trying to destroy his family piece by piece. Um, they said, you know, the show fundamentally changes in the finale. I think you're all going to see that there's stuff that we were seeding back in the season premiere that finally comes to fruition here in the season finale. So you'll see that there was a very specific plan to this entire season. Uh, we always knew that this is where we were headed. So we're hopeful, uh, hopeful in subtle ways who have been teasing this all along without you realizing it. My hope is that people are surprised, but also look back and go, oh, that was the only way that this truly could have ended. And that actually, that last statement there, uh, that came from Mark Guggenheim. So, um, but speaking of which, things have changed behind the scenes for Arrow in a big, big, big way. Uh, Wendy Merkel is stepping down. Uh, it was actually just reported just this morning, uh, or actually late yesterday, that she just inked a deal with CBS to take over uh, doing some additional new shows. So Wendy Merkel, who's been a longtime showrunner since the start, no longer going to be working with CW and Arrow, uh, now heading over to a different network. Mark Guggenheim is also stepping back as well. Which, well wait a minute. Uh, was, wasn't it just announced that Wendy was taking over as showrunner? No. Uh, somebody else is stepping in. Beth Schwartz, who's been around for quite some time and okay. has written quite a few episodes. But they did say straight up the way all this is working is that, uh, yeah, um, you know, we'll now see Guggenheim going to a consulting position for Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow. And that's purely his entire roles now uh, behind the scenes for any of the Arrowverse stuff. Um, now, if memory serves correctly, Beth Schwartz 
she was responsible for a lot of the heavy Oliver Felicity things, but not a lot of the shoehorned over the top stuff. More of the calm kind of like, okay, this is kind of the more serious angle of this. The ones that are a lot more crafted, well written versus the let's shoehorn this crap down your throat. But she's been writing for the show, I think, since the beginning. Uh, and this has been just a background writer and it's done a couple episodes here and there. But they are having her now be converted over to the full-on showrunner of all of this. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, we had a shakeup earlier in the year with Andrew Kreisberg with uh, during, you know, when it came out about some of the uh, sexual misconduct of him from the sexual harassment allegations as well, which was the right right move to have him removed. And then we saw Todd Hel- uh, Helbing come, you know, the showrunner of The Flash. Uh, you know, Supergirl showrunners changed with Rovner and Queller now, and then you know. Berlanti still being kind of a part of all this stuff. So I think some of the little off kilter things we saw happen on the flash with the weird directional changes that we saw, like some of the acting switch ups and changes, all that all probably played into some of these things. So I think next year we're going to go into this mix in a very different way. I think arrow could get a lot of, you know, fresh life breathed back into it now with a brand new showrunner too. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. And then Phil Klemmer is going to be the one that continued to run legends of tomorrow. Uh, and he was originally just the co-executive producer with Guggenheim in the past. So Clemmer will be taking the reins on that show. Um, all right. So let's jump into a little bit of Legends of Tomorrow. And that is, while the show is wrapped up, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, just a quick reminder, Legends of Tomorrow Season 3 is now on Netflix as well. That was as of Thursday the 19th. So if you haven't got a chance, you can now binge watch Season 3 which is a great way to do it. But uh, let's jump into a little bit of film stuff. And then we're going to end with something that was kind of a shock to a lot of people. But uh, in the film world, um, we have found out that Linda Carter is definitely in talks to join the cast of Wonder Woman 2. Uh, and um, we do know officially now the setting for the movie is indeed what we've been talking about for some time is the 1980s. So um, this is pretty cool. So, But Linda Carter did say this. Uh, my role is fully up to Patty Jenkins. We've been talking back and forth quite a bit. She's giving me some hints about it, and I guess it's up to Warner Brothers if they definitely want to sign the contract and spend that money. It's really up to Patty, though, in the, uh, the long run. And if it works in a very organic way, 100%, I, it'll be a great, fun thing to do. And I'm absolutely, it'll be a wonderful to be a part of something like this. Um, you know, they did say on a separate note, uh, the, this is, again, a period piece. And we'll de- indeed see Diana Prince square off against the Soviet Union during the 1980s Cold War. So that's where we are headed for when we meet Sheeta. So uh, so what a lot of us have expected for some time now. So pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we did find out one other person has been added to the mix to Shazam. And that's the former OC star Adam Brody, which is interesting because Brody was originally slated for George Miller's version of Justice League Mortal playing Barry Allen the Flash. So pretty cool to see him now joining the mix of Sandberg's uh, version of Shazam. So we'll definitely see him join Mark Strong and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zach Levi very, very soon. So pretty cool. And the last news story for the week was something I was kind of not sure if we should bring up here, but I figured it is a big part of the DC universe and some things. But um, Smallville star Allison Mack. This is so odd, man was uh, arrested for a role in an abusive sexual cult that was dealing with a lot of sexual trafficking. Um, so very, very surprising to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a big shock to a ton of people um, when the arrest was made. And she was kind of, from what it sounded like, one of the higher-ups in this group. 
um, alongside a man by the name of Keith Rayner, um, who goes by uh, Vanguard is the name. So um, kind of crazy. Yeah, so, it's, it's weird, too, because I know when this story initially broke before the arrest, uh, when this came out a couple weeks ago about how her – uh, Allison Mack and Kristen Kruick were involved in this. It made it almost seem like they were victims of this, that they got drawn into that. And I think that is the case with Kristen Kruick. I think she was kind of um, mm-hmm. brought into it and almost became a victim of it, or they tried to get her to become part of the people that were behind it, and she turned it down and she got away. Uh, I never expected it to come out about Allison Mack that she was one of the higher-ups and one of the people responsible for this. Yeah, so the Eastern District of New York and the Attorney General's office did say this. is as, as alleged in the indictment, Allison Mack recruited women to join uh, what was purported to be a female mentorship group that was, in fact, created and led by Keith Rayner. Uh, the victims were then exploited both sexually and for their labor to the defendant's uh, benefit. So uh, pretty intense. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, you do bring up Kristen Kruick and all with this. But, yeah, that's a. Uh, it was a pretty massive shock, but uh, I wanted to state my um, my recommendation this week is actually something that Kevin Smith had a hand in kind of creating. And my recommendation this week is to head over to the Wayne Foundation. Uh, that's uh, dot org. So the Wayne Foundation was set up um, to basically help give support to people of uh, that were, you know, for sexual you know, human trafficking and sexual trafficking. So if you have an opportunity, please head over there again. Just look up the Google the Wayne Foundation and uh, definitely get a chance to head over there. Jamie Walton is the person that runs that organization. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a way to give back right now and kind of help out and give a little bit of support. There's links there. If you want to find out a little bit more about them, there's uh, four podcasts uh, you know, between uh, Jamie Walton and a couple different survivors. Uh, in addition to some stuff from Smodcast uh, from Kevin Smith's uh, show when he's talking to Jamie Walton. Uh, there's a two-part thing. So uh, definitely give that a listen, especially in a times like this with what's going on here with Allison Mack. I think this is the best recommendation I can give this week. Yeah, I, and you know what? I'll share that one with you too because I didn't really have anything else. So that would be my recommendation for this week as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and looking to, I found all the information on David Ramsey's campaign. It's called David Ramsey's Don't Quit Campaign. Uh, as I mentioned, portion of all proceeds go to Testicular Cancer Society, and it will be running for the next 11 days. So uh, not too long of a time to do it, but if you want to support David and you want to support uh, his campaign for testicular cancer research and uh, and such, uh, you can do that simply by buying a one of his uh, Don't Quit t-shirts which i've already done uh they look really cool too it's kind of like a uh an image of the spartan helmet it has don't quit written on it uh the do in don't is in red and the it uh in quit is in red so it's don't quit and then kind of do it is um you know another message that it's it's gone through but we'll post the uh we'll post the link to that on the facebook page too so if you're interested you can check it out that way and yeah, and I'll post a link to the Wayne Foundation to uh, up on the Facebook page. So definitely get a chance to check those both out. I think that's, uh, like I said, a lot of you that have listened for a long time have known that both Ben and I are, we try to share as much as we can about a lot of charitable foundations that we really do believe in. And uh, this is kind of our way to kind of help highlight some of those things. So yeah, please absolutely. definitely give those both a shot uh, and take a look at them. Whenever you get a few minutes, read up on them and uh, show your support if you can. So Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, but I think that is a good opportunity to go to Cheap Plugs and work our way out of here. Uh, the Facebook page, which we'll be posting the links to them, is facebook.com slash DC Primetime. I apologize. There's somebody weed whacking outside of my house. So if you can hear that, I'm sorry. Um, you can check out this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com. And the Facebook page for that is next uh, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. Uh, you can... Uh, give us a call and leave us a voicemail on the DC primetime voicemail. The number for that is something I should have had up already. <laughs> uh, you think by now I would know to have that number ready to go. Uh, but it's one eight, 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 two, four, seven, five, three, eight, zero. Again, one eight, 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 two, four, seven, five, three, eight, zero toll free in the U S and Canada. Uh, give us a call. Just let us know your thoughts on the shows, uh, what you think of our opinions on them as well. Yeah, um, you can always find me at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Um, you know, I think the new episode should be up tonight, actually. Or It'll, um, it'll be or, up by the time people are hearing this. Yes, uh, which is our episode on, oh my god, uh, Ready Player One. I yes. kind of forgot for a second. I have a lot <laughs> going on. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. We we really kind of got into it with it, too, which was pretty cool. Um, a lot of 80s know. and 90s nostalgia talk, which was a lot of fun. Yes, and I apologize. There's a lot of over-talking because we were all very excited to talk about that <laughs> stuff. Um, and then, again, we, we give a very honest re- and critical review of Ready Player One as a book and a movie. Uh, I will say this, too, when you give that a listen. I want to say I'm I'm pretty harsh on it, but I was doing so from more of a point of uh, to kind of spur uh, questions to get people to give their opinions and thoughts on things. Uh I, I do think while there are a couple issues, I thoroughly enjoy both the book and the movie. So, um, but I know again in our, our geek culture, there's been a ton of backlash, and um, I, I, I figured it was good for us to kind of address some of that as we talked about it. Uh, but I know Ben, you agree with me. Both the book and the movie were a ton of fun. Oh yeah, definitely harkens back to a to a, a simpler time a little bit. I think for us, which is why I thought the nostalgia talk would be a lot of fun for this one. So uh, definitely give that a listen. And next month we are doing an episode on board games. So uh, and more specifically kind of the revitalization of board games. And it's not what you normally think of when you think of them if you've not played modern stuff. So yeah. uh, really looking forward to that one. So, And I still like the idea you came up with too uh, during uh, the recording or after the recording of doing a Muppets themed episode as well. Yeah, I think a Jim Henson Jim episode Henson, is, yeah. is going to be coming up probably after the board game episode. So I'm really looking forward to that, too. we yeah. got a lot of fun content planned for the next couple of months. And I think we're actually going to look at plotting stuff in the next six months. And uh, I think we're also now talking about uh, shortly after, but maybe right before Extra Life, we'll probably be doing a full equipment upgrade. Uh, mixers, individual mics, all that stuff. I just haven't pulled that trigger because of the, the cost. And I've got a lot of other things happening right now. Um, but you know, like I said, so you'll see some heavier changes happening to Kathy yeah. crew over the next couple months. So, uh, and I do also want to say as well that, uh, discussions have by- finally been had. And for any of you people that were fans of the TV show lost, uh, my lost revisited podcast is finally happening. We finally got the layout, um, uh, the format planned out. We got the scheduling planned out. We were going to be doing an introduction episode, uh, so that you can get to know myself and my co-host Kristen, um, uh, June 1st is when that's going to be launching, and then June 15th will be the pilot episode, or the, the episode where we'll be discussing the two-part pilot of Lost. Uh, and then episodes will be following the 1st and 15th of every month, so I'm really excited to finally get that podcast going as well. So, too many podcasts, man. I have too many that I do. 
I do this every week. I do the Showcast one. I do Caffeine Crew with you guys occasionally. I got the Lost one that's going to be coming out. Uh, Wilhelm is still in the works. Oh, my God. I got another random one in the... Oh, God. It's... <laughs> but we love to do it. That's why we keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. a ton of fun. So Yeah. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, Rob, uh, you will not be part of next week. So we, I hope that you enjoy yourself in Paris this week in Paris. Uh, but... And, like, uh, yeah, you got our good friend Paul coming back. Yeah, Paul, uh, listener Paul Williams is going to be coming back. He's also a podcaster here on the Next Level Podcast Network now. So uh, Paul will be joining me as my co-host next week to talk about The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. But Oh, that would be great. We you, we both have gotten to get a, get a chance to do an episode with Paul. He's a ton of fun to podcast with. Yeah. Uh, he's 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 become a really great friend, and I, I really am thoroughly looking forward to hearing the episode when I get back. So. I, I'll I'll plug this too. I'm actually podcasting with him. I don't know if it's going to be later today or tomorrow, uh, but I'm going to be on the next episode of his podcast, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. We're going to be talking about a quiet place, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So podcasting with Paul twice this week. Nice, good oh stuff. Oh my god, and that makes like the fifteenth podcast this week too. <laughs> so, uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of DC Primetime as I mentioned next week Paul will be my host with the, the newest breakdowns of Supergirl, Arrow and The Flash uh, but until that time we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week take care peace and see you in two weeks for me <laughs>